whole lot. Jason, I'll be working tomorrow night again. Again! I hear you, JP, underground at 11 o'clock. Yep, that's right. Uh, Zach, how's work going? Uh, it's fine. We're actually reopening the tap room next week, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that's going to be closer to you, yeah. Yep, for sure. Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, Wednesday Night Wars both had a pretty good night last night. We talk about the return of the Pure Championship in Ring of Honor. We do our NXT TakeOver do-over from 2017 with TakeOver Orlando. That's and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band for Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. Live Long and Jobber. And not too far away from me, <laughs> over there in South City also, is Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? Oh, shit. That was good. Allow us to bow our heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside podcast, volume 173. Chapter 3, verse 14, and the good smart saying, hashtag, who the heels? It is all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat. Um, no shout-outs this week. Um, ready to talk a little wrestling. Ready to talk a little ROH. This has been a while since we talked ROH on the BFR. So I'm interested to see how uh, at least two beer had the, uh, his take on the Pure Tournament. Yeah, it's been a while since anybody's talked about ROH, it seems like. And over there in Edwardsville, Illinois, we have two beers. Zach Pullman, what's going on, two beer? Uh, man, I'm just having a German lager on the porch. It's like 73 degrees. Um, life's good. It's really nice outside. It is uh, still dank in my basement where I'm coming at you from, from South City, St. Louis. A lot of people might not know this about Jason Cornelius Bell. He's a bit of a Trekkie, ain't you? <laughs> go ahead, go Come ahead. on. I mean, Wars is my favorite, but I have a Trekkie. Yes, I mean you've watched all the Star Treks, right? Yep. Voyager, Deep Space Nine, the whole shebang, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, you've never mentioned it on the podcast, and sometimes I forget myself that you are a Trekkie. And, it never uh, really comes up. No, it certainly doesn't. But today it did with that, uh, AKA from Vice. <laughs> uh, you know, and if you want to subscribe to uh, Jason's OnlyFans, he can show you his deep space. <laughs> <laughs> and we're off. Uh, it was a bit of a, you know, it's sometimes there's ebbs and flows in the wrestling business. Some weeks there's all sorts of shit to talk about. Some weeks there's uh, not a whole bunch of shit to talk about. This is one of those weeks, but we'll probably end up blabbering on. For about two hours or so, anyway. Um, so, without further ado, I, I, actually, Jason, why don't you tell us about F&B Eatery? F&B Eatery on the corner of 3453 Southampton, Southampton, and Marquette. Home of the greatest smash burger you've never heard of. So, let's go alleviate that problem. I told Mike I'm coming in tomorrow to pick up my burger on the way to work. So, my shit will be curbside. Do yourself a salad. 
get yours curbside so that way you can keep it moving to the next destination, whether it's going home to relax, going to work like I am to get your eat on, then go ahead and make some money or just start the weekend right, sitting home and relaxing with the kids and the wife. F&B Eatery Corner of 3453 Southampton and Marquette. Tell them that Bam from Ringside sent you. Let's get to that three counts. One, two, three. JCB, kick it off. Uh, we're going to do the uh, Wednesday Night Wars as the one count. Um, since I get to do it, I get to pick which one I want to do first. In this case, I'll pick the one that I thought was a little better. Both were good, but I thought this show was a little better and it started off at the top. We're going to go with AEW Dynamite first. Off the top, you had FTR versus Lucha Express in a nice little tag team match, but for me, the bigger point coming out of this was the brief uh, entrance of the Young Bucks decapitating one referee and dropping a nice little 10,000 K stack in front of Tony Khan sitting the gorilla to keep it moving. Haven't seen Tony Khan on TV as of yet until, well, really on Dynamite until recently this week. So that was kind of interesting to see. Um, FTR ends up winning this match with a little fuckery from uh, Cash and Tully holding down the Jungle Boy to get the pin. Good match, like I said, nothing great. Um, Matt Hardy comes, well, apparently is attacked by um, Zed Jericho and one Jake Hager backstage. Now, my question is, what the hell is Matt Hardy doing there to begin with? I mean, I, the last time I checked, you're supposed to be going home, taking a break, you know, not even really to be thought about. And then the very next week, granted, probably wasn't touched, but the next week he's on TV. For me, that took a little bit away from the uh, the angle itself. It is, if it is an angle, I think there's some truth to it. But part of it, I think this is a long-term storyline angle. But like I said, we'll see how that ends up going down as the weeks progress. Um, Page, uh, Hangman Page and uh, Frankie Kazarian, I thought, had an amazing match for what to me was a setup for the long-term Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page feud. This match kind of overshadowed that that feud for a little bit. I thought this was absolutely an amazing match. To me, it was the match of the night on both shows. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Like I said, for me, this was a setup for Kenny and Hangman Page, but it ended up turning out to be, one. like I said, the best match of the night. MJF cuts his promo to tease whether he's going to a faction, whether he's starting his own faction. My thought process on that is we saw him, for those who watched MLW, we saw him as the leader of the dynasty with him, Hammerstone, and Richard Holiday. Obviously, he can slide over into pick a faction in the AEW. If it was me and I fancy booked it, I would have him join the inner circle. Feel the inner circle has been a little lagging as of late. You could have him join the inner circle and then jump in and eventually take over Jericho. Jericho can have his babyface run before he leaves the company. We would have ready-made action for MJF to kind of run as his own, but that's just me and my fancy booking. Uh, a Kingston comes out, basically well, him and let's, his, the quote-unquote. Let's take a break there because uh, you just touched on something interesting, and I want to get Two Beer's thoughts on it. Two Beer, where would you put MJF? Would you have him start his own faction, or would you put him with the inner circle, or would you put him somewhere else? 
I was thinking about this myself because that kind of came out of left field whenever he uh, announced this. And I feel like I would put him uh, in his own faction. Um, you know, he's already got Wardlow, get a couple other of guys, you know, maybe that aren't getting a bunch of screen time, you know, with the story being that he's paying them on top of their Tony Khan contract, right? And so their loyalties are to him and just kind of run that way. And it makes him a little more heelish too. Um, he's got more ample opportunities for feuds because we know that the Wardlow feud is coming, right? Like Wardlow's got big, big time babyface potential going on. And it just keeps building, building each week that MJF continues to be a shithead. So you could have more of that aspect. So that could be fun. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd put him with the inner circle unless he was going to like, if if we're fantasy booking, which we tend to do, uh, if he was going to like have a coup and take down Jericho and then you have Jericho come back as a baby face or something and have MJF be in charge of the inner circle. I, I'm kind of confused as to where they're going with the inner circle right now, because right now you have Hager and Jericho are fighting in the tag team division, which on its face isn't a problem, but you also have Santana Ortiz in the inner circle also fighting in the tag team division. So I don't know if that's something they've planned on. Surely they've thought about that. Uh, what do you think about that, Jason? Um, I, I like Zach, Zach's idea of starting the, his own faction with his own money because obviously that's kind of the MJ, uh, MJF gimmick. Um, the reason why I said the inner circle is because, and, and I'm not even trying to be funny because AEW does get this um, bad rap, but th I think there's enough factions going on. And, and a lot, some of them don't have names. Others do have names. I think we're at a point where we're faction full, okay? And then this is coming from the guy that loves him some factions, loving MJ, uh, MJPW. So that's why I lean towards the inner circle. I just didn't want to see another faction come out and take away from somebody else. Do I agree with Zach? Yeah. I mean, building new stars is what I'm all about. So if you got a just because it's the first person that came to my mind and it's not, it wouldn't be right, but Will Hobbs is the first guy that's coming to my mind. He's getting the uh, the John Moxley rub automatically next week. God forbid he comes out and he looks good. So, I mean, you know, that's, you know, double kudos to Will Hobbs. So if you started a faction with MJF as the head and kind of build guys around with uh, guys that you don't really know of or, you know, guys that need a break, that would be a good way to go. All right, so I cut you off there. Uh, next, we had Eddie Kingston. Uh, what what happened in that segment? Um, Eddie Kingston comes out, basically reminds everybody once again that he was not eliminated by Lance Archer. So I'm assuming something's going to have to come out of that. What I think that he's going to have a match against no Curtis yet. Axel. They proceed to beat down random... <laughs> <laughs> beat down random Joe Schmo from the uh, the guest of, I wouldn't say the guest but the, random beat down random Joe Schmo but to me the the capper was he looks at Blade and he says that it's time to take care of your house as, as well as as long as we're taking care of the family's house it's time for you to take care of your house which leads me to believe this is where Allie finally stabs QT Marshall in the back, and she rolls back to 
uh, the Butcher and the Blade and the quote-unquote family. Um, from there, you had the women's NWA title match, Thunder Rosa versus Ivelisse. Um, I don't understand why Ivelisse is not a, a part of this roster to begin with at this point. But once again, Thunder Rosa retains in a really good match. DeMonte attacks afterwards. Sheeta comes in to make the save. So now they have a tag team match next week. That should be really good. Um, Lance Archer comes out. To, well, I shouldn't say Lance Archer comes out. Jake comes out to basically say he's going to make a deal with the devil. Brings out Team Taz. Taz comes out. Everybody kind of makes the deal where Lance Archer beats Moxley. And then Archer gives Brian Cage the first title match. As soon as he beats Archer, everybody shakes, you know, shakes on it, hugs it out or whatever. I kind of like this temporary alliance between the heels. So as John Moxley comes out to announce his team, Brian Cage and Ricky Stars proceed to jump him in the stands, making the save, surprisingly in my mind, is one Will Hobbs. Now, if you haven't been paying attention, and some of you might not be paying attention, he has been coming on strong lately on AEW Dark, winning in consecutive weeks after going on five and then having the breakout performance in the battle royal so obviously there is a plan for one will hobbs he just apparently signed with aew so he's on the full-time roster so will hobbs is going to get a push in some form or fashion and then completing the trio is one darby allen so it will be you know darby what I... allen will hobbs and moxley versus archer Ryan Cage and Ricky Starks. You know what I think of when I when I see Will Hobbs? He's just so athletic. You know what I mean? Like he's just he's just really athletic. Are, are you being sarcastic? <laughs> I'm just saying that's the way they talk about black people. <laughs> I know that's. The- <laughs> God, he's athletic. Oh, he's so athletic. You ain't shit. I, swear to God. I was like, man, I was like, I was like, Bill's like. Went full on racist. He's on plaid. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, announced for next week is Brody Lee for uh, versus Orange Cassidy for the TNT title. I think this is a really smart, progressive move for Orange Cassidy. We kind of wondered out loud what would be next. I think after the biggest win in his career, a title shot was probably the next step. And Brody Lee is the quote-unquote mid-card champion in my mind. So that makes sense. So we have that match next week. That was announced in the main event, which I would be perfectly honest, I was not looking forward to at all. And it was absolutely ridiculous. You had best friends versus Santana or Ortiz in a street fight. And I think I've seen a little bit of everything with street fights. But then I saw this nonsense and... There was a couple of times where I literally sat up on the couch was like, what the fuck is going on? Ridiculous street fight. Guys going through the windshields, splash on the roofs, the whole nine yards. Everybody's bleeding. No t- stone unturned. Trent's mom giving the finger after the best friends win to me was the cherry on top of the cake of a really good AEW Dynamite show. Zach, thoughts on any of that? Oh, yeah, that great main event was awesome like it was it totally exceeded expectations right like i'm like oh this will be fine it'll be fun it'll be a brawl right it'll be outside there'll be some comedy and there wasn't until the very end whenever trent's mom picked him up and like flipped the bird to him as they drove away like 
that part was comedy, but like the rest of it was just brutal, man. Like they put like Ortiz underneath the hood of that car and took turns doing splashes on the hood. Like I was like worried about the guy besides like all the blood. Oh, it was a hell of a good match. And I'm not really super into like hardcore stuff. Um, That's not my preferred match. Like my preferred match is much more like what Adam page and uh, Frankie Kazarian did, which is like quintessentially a, uh, uh, G1 match in the middle of Dynamite, right? That's what they did. Yeah, anybody uh, that was... anybody that criticizes AEW for be being too uh, spot heavy would have no could have no basically criticisms of those first two matches of FTR versus Jurassic Express and Page versus Kazarian. Both of those were really good matches. Yeah, for real, uh, absolutely. Just really solid wrestling and. Uh, the same for NXT, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But uh, I think, like, top to bottom, that was a very tight show. It was two hours of professional wrestling that, you know, really good professional wrestling, uh, really good, like, sports entertainment aspects. Uh, just really just what I want out of a wrestling show. And I was actually... Uh, kind of bummed that these shows were on the same night again because the past couple of weeks it's been awesome like kind of having some time to like decompress and like absorb the the matches and the what what, what you know what what consume them you know a little bit more appropriately i guess without kind of rushing through and these both these shows were so good that i didn't care that i like spent four hours of my night just watching wrestling right like this they, they were really good yeah, I enjoyed this also. I, I really like the idea. Uh, I like the Archer and Moxley build so far. A uh, friend of the show, Micah, told us last week when we were talking about if Moxley and Archer had ever fought each other, they had oh, last year in New Japan for the um, – was it for the Intercontinental title. For the U.S. title. U.S. title. US. Yeah. Texas, Texas death, match. death match, which like, yeah, we didn't know what that things. was until, until they did it. I, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Zach in that a, a street fight, hardcore type of match is not really my cup of tea. This one was, you know, I, I'm not as high in it as you guys were. I was, I, when I had the opportunity to watch this live or watch priest versus thatcher uh, which we'll get to i chose priest versus thatcher i went back and watched it today yeah man those guys like zach said i, I was worried about them uh, you know it's 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 one thing i i would rather have matches be told in the ring i i hate that walk and punch type stuff this was not the walk and punch triple h style brawl at all this is more of a spot heavy brawl but uh it wasn't my favorite however it was a really good episode of Dynamite. Let me ask you this. Do you guys feel like MJF coming out and cutting that promo, do you feel like he lost anything in that loss to Moxley? Or do you think he's right back where where he was? I mean, did, did losing to Moxley hurt him at all? Actually, I think he gained. Like, yeah. I think, I think he gained because he has an actual, logical, worthwhile gripe, right? He wasn't. He should be the AEW champion by the contract that was signed, mm-hmm. like by the the rigid rules and ethics of the AEW Championship Commission, right? Like when we were kids, that's what they would like. JJ Dillon would be like, "I've had a talk with the Championship Commission." 
That shit doesn't exist. <laughs> but, like, it's really cool to think that there's, like, some dudes, like, some suits, like, sitting around, like, making rules and, like, right. you know, like, slipping, like, clauses into contracts and stuff. And I just really love that smoke and mirrors, like, type stuff. And I wish, I wish that, like, he, and maybe he will, I wish he would have come out, like, even harder with it. Like, he's got that lawyer. It doesn't have to be the same one, right? He could have, like, a new lawyer. And he's got this right. team of the lawyers. And they're, they're suing yep. Tony Khan. Yep. And he's, I got money to Tony Khan. And I want my belt. You know, like, I, I think uh, I think he gained more. Jason, what do you think? No, I agree. Um, I'm, I get the undefeated thing. And, you know, people are, are hung up about that. And AEW is all about the ratings. But... The match itself, I thought, was better than I anticipated. And then the spin from the match is, like Two Beers said, it, it all makes logical sense. And this is a logical argument coming from the heel, which usually should never happen because they have their own disillusioned logic about how things are supposed to work. But in this case, I mean, you can't really give you know, MJF too much of a beef or too much of a problem on this one. He's got a legitimate beef. Moxley cheated to win the match. So now what you going to do? So at that point, I don't think he lost anything. Um, a loss here to the champion, like we said, coming into it would be his first loss as a singles competitor in AEW. If that's my first loss, then you, you know what? So be it. The only reason... Hey, look how well that they've treated their they're not just champions but championship contenders even like you don't get a shot at that belt unless it's obvious that you deserve one right it's not just like some beef or whatever like a personal rivalry like uh, i feel like they they really do a good job of like protecting their people based on these stats that we had no idea how it was going to work uh, whatever it started i mean didn't well, I, I can't remember now why why did brody lee get his shot I just think the, the only reason that I ask that is because now they've had three guys with their first shot at the title in Brody Lee, Cage, and MJF, and all of them have fell short. MJF is such a great talker that he's probably lost the least, but it just really kind of... If I may. Go ahead, please. Brody Lee, I think, was a kind of a stopgap we weren't sure where we were going to go next. So they threw Brody Lee in. He just made his debut. Um, so yeah, it, it was not made the plan. Sense. That was a, a COVID thing, right? Yeah. It kind of made sense at the point at the time. So I'm not necessarily going to you really knock it for that. They kind of, they definitely made up for it in the sense of having him come back and destroy Cody and setting up the feud with the Nightmare family. So I'll give him a pass on Brody Lee. Brian Cage obviously earned it. And then um, I can't remember who you said the third guy was. Um, MJF. Okay. I mean, running undefeated for basically the length of time that Dynamite's been on. Makes sense. Lance Archer earned it. So, I mean, Brody Lee, I think, is the outlier to what you're trying to get at. And I see where you're going with it, but is there any chance Archer takes it off him? There's always a chance. Okay. There's a chance, but I also, I think there's a bigger chance that, um, like orange Cassidy takes that belt off of Brody Lee, because Mm. I feel like, I feel like they don't necessarily 
need to have they, they are showing that they're doing long title reigns but i don't know that that tnt championship requires long reigns after that initial cody Rhodes long reign i actually thought it would have been kind of cool if dustin would have taken the belt from him last week i totally uh, agree but- with that I don't think that long title reigns are necess- are necessary in professional wrestling. I th- and uh, but I do think, on the flip side, that it's better to have an anything can happen during a title fight type of feel. You know, Agreed. just like no, l- like that. it's like it's like it's MMA. Like a guy can just you can just get caught at one time. You can just get caught and just take the take. You can actually, you can just fuck up and take a finishing move, and then you're done. I like that that's idea. That we, that's one thing that we, uh, even though we praise New Japan and rightfully so, um, that is one thing that is lacking in their main events. Like especially like when Okada was champion, like you know that like that thing's going a half an hour, and it's not ending until Okada gets that drop kick spot, right? Every time, and just <laughs> once, I want to see like Okada just come with the rainmaker like three minutes in and pin him. You know what I mean? They just don't do that. You know, we, I I like that. That spontaneity. We give WWE a lot of shit, rightfully so. I mean, they deserve all the shit that they get, but I mean, that time when Goldberg speared Lesnar and pinned him in 30 seconds or whatever, that, that was legit shocking because you're at least mark out, mark out moment. You're at least, are you making fun? No, not at all, man. No, no, no. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if you didn't, we say what the fuck or oh shit or some sort of expletive, then you ain't got a soul. Yeah, at that boy. You I really mean, it, it really was shocking, and I would love to see that happen more often in in just title fights in general. Just somebody gets caught. Okay. Yeah, you Hang know. On. Uh, Hang on. Are you going to talk about Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus? No, because Daniel Bryan I, versus I Sheamus. Probably did more for Daniel Bryan than anything else that ever up and from that moment till when he had his WrestleMania moment at WrestleMania 30. Those were the two biggest moments of his career by far. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to disagree with you on that, my brother. I'm talking. I was going to say Brock versus Kofi. Well, that okay. That's a completely different situation. How is it different? It was, it was a shocking in a in a negative way. Yeah, because that that's just okay, but wh- because when we, when Goldberg when Goldberg when Goldberg spears Lesnar, Lesnar's a a known entity. He's made right. Lesnar's already made, and Goldberg's a Goldberg's a you know a legend. I guess you know for lack of a better term, a, le- a legend that has less moves than Roman Reigns, but a legend nonetheless. And then. <laughs> When Kofi, I mean, you're talking about a veteran who was getting his run with it, and it would have been, it doesn't do anything for Lesnar to squash him. It didn't do anything for a story going forward with Kofi. They didn't spin it forward at all. They Both guys probably lost momentum on it because then Lesnar went and fought fucking what's-his-face, the dude that we've never seen from again. What's his name? Velasquez. So that was totally different. At least Goldberg versus Lesnar then then at least they spun it forward to the WrestleMania. They were trying to make the WrestleMania match a bigger deal. Okay, I'll say this and we can move on. If Just you say want. that I'm right. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to say you act like Goldberg and Lesnar was going to be a knockdown 30-minute you know, Iron Man match. We knew that Joker was going to end fairly quickly, okay? The fact that Brock versus Kofi ended that quickly within seconds, okay, 
that to me is a much more of a bigger deal. And that's why I can't necessarily say I agree with you. I get your point. Every now and then it would be nice to see you know, like, oh shit, that just happened. Oh man, it's, a, it's over? Damn, what the fuck? But in this case, it, it doesn't always work. And Brock and Kofi is a, a good example of that. Lesnar got speared and got pinned and that was it. And up until that point, he was he was portrayed as being unbeatable, unstoppable, blah, blah, blah. Now I hate that it was I hate that it was Goldberg, obviously. But it's a moment that we all still remember. Was were grown men crying at that point? I I would venture to probably I, say no. When Kofi won the title, grown men wept. And that's how you end that story. Brock Lesnar destroys him within seconds. Man, I want tell to tell how you want to tell it. I just, I'm just not going to say the joke that I want to make right now because it's in bad taste. But it, it has to do okay. with it has to do with developmental disabilities. Um, okay, so yeah, don't do that. Let's uh, let, let's move it on to NXT uh, Wednesday night NXT. Zach, why don't you take this one? Yeah, so it starts off uh, with Shotzi Blackheart challenging uh, Io Shirai. That was non-title, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. It was non-title. Yeah, yeah, non-title. It was a cool uh, match. But still still a huge match for Shotzi and a really good opening match. Like, whenever you – if you were to look at the opening matches of uh, AW and NXT and, like, you were trying to decide, like, oh, do I watch FTR – uh, Lucha Express or Jurassic Express, or do I watch Shotzi Blackheart versus um, Shirai, You'd almost like kind of lean AEW, at least for me, I would, because I feel like that'd be like a better match. But this match was awesome, right? This was like one of the better, uh, one of the better NXT matches that we've had, like on television, especially in the women's division. Um, I think this thing ruled like really like Shotzi got to showcase some stuff, showcase like how tough she was. She took some really nasty German suplexes, one like high angled right on the apron and uh, took a really nasty moonsault. Uh, you know, mm. EO, despite being as good as EO is like that moonsault was not good. It looked like it hurt. Basically just hit her right with her knees right across the chest. Um Sorry, I blacked out thinking about Shotzi Blackheart's chest for a second. But uh, other than that, um, there's pictures, guys. There's pictures. Just, uh, just Google. But, um, but yeah, it was a really good opener, really good women's match. Uh, I thought they did all the right things. Um, I don't know exactly what happened next, but, like, the, the, the handful of, like, highlights of this show was that, the tag team title match between Brazongo and Imperium. And as much as we've been down on the tag team – uh, scene of NXT is that that those belts don't necessarily feel important and uh, it's kind of like indicative of how WWE treats tag teams in general it seems to be leaking onto NXT these guys had a really killer match uh, everybody's super talented I think people kind of sleep on Imperium probably because they haven't been on American television nearly as much but they are super crisp really talented dudes maybe lacking a little in the charisma department or maybe that's just like their gimmick but They've really got the the wrestling chops to well, they're German to get shit done. Yeah, that, yeah, maybe that you know cultural thing. Um, how but, dare uh, how dare really, you? How dare you talk about you and say, me? De- Bill, defend your people. <laughs> Zach's German too. 
Oh, I didn't know that. What the fuck? Yeah, my last name's pretty German. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> but Brazongo retains, and, uh, you know, we'll see um, where they're going. Um, be right back. You know, with the tag team division after this. But, um, and then we had the main event, which was Damian Priest and Timothy Thatcher. And Timothy Thatcher continues to be one of my favorite uh, professional wrestlers, not just NXT guys, but uh, one of my favorite just wrestlers in general. This guy is just, he's just a mean guy, right? He's just like, he's not a bad dude. He's not a good dude. He's just a mean dude. And he's the kind of guy you want to have on your side in a fight because he knows how to fight. And he shows you that he knows how to fight. And he doesn't necessarily force everyone to work his like specific style so much like kind of like you know Zack Sabre Jr. match is Zack Sabre Jr. match uh he is a technical wrestler in that aspect or kind of in that vein but he does have a very Timothy Thatcher style match but I mean like we still had like Damian Priest coming off the top rope with a spinning heel kick which was crazy to me because I mean that guy's huge and yeah no my shit. god that look that work that looks worse than Fandango's like flying leg drop which has to suck to to take anyway like i don't know why someone who has like anything that they can do like wrestling wise and is like talented and athletic that's the move that they pick because it looks like right. it just sucks and it just hurts uh but yeah again this was a very good nxt show i think the only bummers are um we have a takeover in like two weeks right and they're so busy doing tv stuff that I don't, they're not building to the pay-per-views where in AEW, the TV show is the build to the pay-per-view. It's not always the build to next week's TV, even though there is that. There's people that are not going to be on the pay-per-view and they, they have to like try to get you to watch next week. But I feel like NXT is always just trying to get you to watch next week. And the TakeOver uh, bookings have suffered because of it uh, over the past like couple takeovers and i think we're continuing that trend unfortunately do you think that that is a product of now listen you guys might have watched nxt every week before it was on television i would stop in you know for the podcast and i but like really it was really just like tv tapings and kind of they would have some storyline but only for the matches that were going towards the the takeovers but it seems like I don't know. I can't tell if the weekly NXT product is better or worse than it used to be when it was just on. I mean, I guess it's better, but I am just not as high on NXT as I thought I would be now. And that is not necessarily to say that NXT has dipped in the past year or so. But going back and watching these NXT takeovers of old, like we're going to do later, the one before WrestleMania in 2017. I just think NXT really hurts from not having an audience, and I think AEW really benefits from not being inside. Uh, what do you think about that, Jason? Oof, that's, that's a lot to unpack. Um, I'll say this. I, I don't like the, the current NXT product because it it takes things away from Raw and SmackDown. Things like the lack of tag teams, the distraction bookings, 
silly things like that. NXT to me was a different brand because they did things differently. You know, we got from point A to point B differently, but more importantly, it, it made sense. You know what I'm saying? So now at this point, once they went to Wednesdays, I agree with Zach. It, it feels like it's counter programming versus we're just doing our own thing. I didn't even realize a takeover was coming up until I think they said it this week where the women's uh, battle Royal is, uh, is going to be the number one contender to EO in the title. I mean, shit, we just, if we were going to do that, now that I'm thinking about it, why not build the champions, the NXT championship into TakeOver? Have that as the main event. Or like we said two weeks ago, have a tournament, the four-man tournament, the Mount Rushmore of NXT, do that as a part of TakeOver, throw the women's uh, championship match in, you want to throw the tag team titles in, and now you got a TakeOver. This just felt like it's been sprung upon us so quickly that now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, well, damn. We got a takeover coming up in a couple of weeks. That doesn't even feel like right. Yeah, it feels like a, it feels like a payback or something. Right. Usually takeovers coincide with the big four. And this is obviously not coincide with the big four. It coincides with, in this case, uh Clash of Champions. And that doesn't feel right. It feels like all of a sudden we're we're rushing the takeover and it kind of takes away from it. Plus the fact, like I said, you start booking it like you do Raw and SmackDown, it feels different. They need to just bite the bullet, move to Tuesdays, dominate Tuesdays, and be done with it. Really? That's what you think should happen? Just be done with it, dude. AEW. Well, they're never going to do that because. They're never going to do that because. No, they're not going to do that. That would be a million defeat. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah, and Vince won't do that. AEW is going to have their fan base regardless. So why try to take away from their fan base? Fuck it. Let them ha- let them get theirs. We need to get ours too. Move to Tuesdays. I love Impact, but I would watch still watch both. If you move to Tuesdays, there's nothing on Tuesday regular TV that can really pull away from. Oh man, that's uh, a, that's, NXT if they decided they wanted to do it. That's a real shocker. Jason would still watch both. You're a nerd. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. Can you it's guess what? Because can you guess what drop I just you, played? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine which like, oh, buddy. No, you're a nerd. Guilty <laughs> If you think about like it being advantageous for WWE, though, it really is not just because you're going to get more ratings, but like, so like, say something did happen to like Vince McMahon tomorrow, like car accident, whatever, because he's probably going to outlive all of us, like mm-hmm. at this point, being a billionaire and all. Uh, I think his mom's still alive, if that tells you anything. But um, the uh, crazy thing is, like, if something happened to him, like, then who would go in that place? You know, naturally, like, Triple H. But, like, what's Triple H's track record right now to, like, television executives? His track record is he loses in the week. He loses in the ratings every single week to a guy who started booking professional wrestling a year ago, less than a year ago. Yeah, I mean, like how much, his. how much, how hands on is Tony Khan in terms of the booking, though? He is the booker. He's the booker. I, I, the I, buck I, stops at Tony Khan. I, is that true? I, yeah. 
I would tend to believe so. I'm asking. I'm asking Jason, Zach. I would tend to believe so, just in the sense. Sorry, Zach. I would tend to believe so. It's just in the sense that if you, if we did the hierarchy of AEW, who's higher up than Tony Khan? Who was there at Gorilla? I'm sure in last night's episode, it was there for effect. But I would assume under no, he's in Gorilla every episode. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I would assume under normal circumstances, he would have been there regardless. They did that last night for a fact, which it worked. Okay, he times but, the show. Like, he's the guy that actually times the show and, like, does, like, the breaks and everything. Like, he is Gorilla, like, which is crazy because, like, he, like I said, he, he had never done it before. That is – Yeah, they had some – I didn't know that. That's some that, rocky stuff. Yeah. You that, know, initially there was some rocky stuff, but, like, they were starting this huge, like, production thing. But, I mean, like, there wasn't ever anything about – Commercial shit. WWE has worse commercial breaks than AEW, and they've been doing it for thirty goddamn years. Yeah, I mean, of course, of course, WWE is. I mean, you you tweeted that thing about me dozing off during an MVP promo <laughs> on Monday night. I'll be honest, I didn't even watch Monday night. There was uh, other things going on in my life, but uh, that's why I would have been doing had there not been yeah. other things going on in my life. And Raw and I mean SmackDown. It was okay this week again. Raw is just Raw is about as brutal as it gets. But let's not get too far away from this pretty decent NXT because I think the the talent kind of deserves us to at least go over this a little bit. Did you guys? I, I took a piss upstairs. Did you guys talk about Kyle O'Reilly making the <laughs> save on Jake Atlas? No, I was going to get to that, and because it looks like Kyle O'Reilly's I'm... flipping face and. It looks like uh, we're going to get a Kyle O'Reilly Tommaso Ciampa feud somewhere down the line because next week we have Ciampa versus Jake Atlas. I do like that they're keeping the story going after Ciampa squashed Atlas, whatever it was, weeks back or so. But Kyle O'Reilly got in Ciampa's face and he didn't come out with Fish and Roddy earlier in yeah. the show. So, what do you yeah. think about Kyle O'Reilly going face, Jason? I'm such a UE mark. I'm, I'm torn. But oh, come on. No, no, because no. Dude, hang on. Hear me out for a second. Hear me out for a second. All right. It's not a knock against Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly is a good singles wrestler. He's great with uh, Bobby Fish with Red Dragon. If this is the way they want to go, okay, so be it. I guess my disappointment is it's happening now. Versus being on a Raw or SmackDown. But I'm just saying that if it's, it's happening now, which it looks like it's going to. I mean, hell, Adam Cole gave Finn Balor respect after their title match. When's the last time you've seen that? Uh, I mean, it looks like Adam Cole and, Adam Cole and O'Reilly are, are, are turning face. Are the baby faces where uh, Fish and Roddy are going to be the heels. Not, so that feels that's like the not really how I would have gone. Like I think not way I would have gone either. But I mean, it, like I said, if they're going to do this angle, I'd rather do it on NXT. Is I guess my point because at least I know they'll tell this story in a smart, logical way. Well, I'd rather versus doing it on Raw. Smackdown. In a perfect world, it would be in front of a live audience at full sale, oh, and yeah. Kyle O'Reilly would do it in front of people. I mean, that would have been fucking great. Uh, what are your thoughts, Zach? Who would you have made if you if you're looking at Undisputed Era and you were gonna keep two guys heel and make two guys face? Who would be the baby faces? Do you think? 
I think the baby faces would be Adam Cole and Roderick Strong, and then you keep Fish and O'Reilly together, partly yeah. because they're already like a unit. Like when we think of them, even though they're both awesome, right? Like neither one stands out on their own, even though like I'm a big Kyle O'Reilly fan. I think he could stand out on his own. Uh, but like right now, you think Fish and O'Reilly, right? And Roderick Strong, he was already a singles guy. Uh, he was already a baby face. Adam Cole can be anything because that guy is a superstar, right? Yeah. Like he's one of the best. So yeah. I go with those two. He's a, he's a superstar like Mickey Rooney. I totally agree. I would have kept Bobby Fish and O'Reilly. As, I just think Roddy Strong, as evidenced by the uh, NXT that we're going to talk about later, would be great. Um, last thing, uh, Damian Priest versus Timothy Thatcher was really good. Timothy Thatcher... It's not as extreme as Zack Sabre Jr., but Timothy Thatcher does tend to get different types of matches out of guys that probably he brings people into his comfort zone rather than the other way. Does that make sense, Zach? Yeah, it's almost like uh, I said the same thing while you're taking a piss. Oh, did you really? really funny cold blood uh, well, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to speak on it i'll speak on it um i, I like timothy <laughs> thatcher i was gonna say <laughs> go ahead no, you're fine. i was gonna say i like timothy thatcher i think everything zach said is right on the money um did you did you compare him to zach, to zach saber jr i did yeah although i did i did qualify it and say that uh, Timothy Thatcher does, even though he kind of does pull people into that style of match, it's not so much that match only because we did get that Damian Priest like spinning heel kick off the top rope, which was bonkers. Uh, but yeah, he he definitely does. Like you you see a Timothy Thatcher match, it's a Timothy Thatcher match, right? Yeah, just like Saber Junior. I just want to say, I just want to put this out there, and Jason, that then I'll let you finish. But Zach and I have not talked about this. And I definitely did not hear Zach say that because I was upstairs taking a piss. So that's, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I guess at this point, that's a fact. I mean, if us two say it, it's not an opinion anymore. That's a fact. Go ahead, Jason. Because you two guys say so. Yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. Thank thank you for agreeing, Jason. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, I'll say this. I guess my problem, if there is a problem with the match, it just, and that, and that goes for EO and Shotzi Blackheart too. Both were good matches. I just felt like they came too early. I wish they had to build up to these matches. Once again, kind of going back to the takeover argument or whatever, I guess it felt like they did it to have people to watch versus a story to tell both matches were good they could have been both better especially the the last match the main event i mean look come on i like timothy thatcher but it ain't no way in hell you're gonna have damian priest lose night one of defending the title so for me that's why i'm kind of like okay i can watch the match but i know how this is gonna end i'll be honest though i enjoyed thatcher versus damian priest more than i enjoyed the street fight between no Santana and Ortiz no versus way. Best Friends. No way I actually thought I thought that street fight was one of the better matches like that AEW has done, and I don't mean just matches, like not even like Dynamite. Just like I mean, I liked it just as much. I actually probably liked it more than the Kenny Omega John Moxley hardcore match. 
Yeah, that's that's fucking insane. But I mean, you know, <laughs> but, you know, we're I, I got you coming up with that, but yeah. I mean, okay. we're all we're all we're all God's children. Uh, let's get <laughs> let's get to that two count. One, two, three. Two beer. What's the two count? Guess we know how to kill a conversation. Um, two count is. <laughs> I'm in charge of the board, Zach. I'm in charge of the board. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, oh, shit. The ROH has come back, right? So Ring of Honor took a lengthy hiatus. Uh, it's not just because their booker is in sexual assault accusation ter- uh, purgatory, even though that is the case. Marty Skrull, um on ice right now. So this didn't have anything to do with him. But uh, ROH is uh, filming, like, on location, uh, like, a very isolated environment. Seems like a very responsible setup. Like, they're very explicit and very open about, like, their practices, right? And uh, they're coming out with a new weekly television show that is incredibly sports-oriented. And it turns out, guys, um, I'm the least sports oriented of the the three of us here as in like uh-uh. i i usually joke that i don't i only like fake sports but it turns out that i really like fake sports when they most closely resemble real sports because i love this oh yes. shit yep. great here we go all right was, let's go wait, hang on hang on to beer let's just get this out the way let's get it out the way right now we gotta stroke the uh the boss's ego hey bill mm-hmm. you're right Thank you. <laughs> What's he right about? He always says that wrestling is best portrayed when it's presented as a sport, as a quote-unquote oh, yeah. real sport. Yeah, I've heard him say that. I sure. wouldn't say and that. I, totally... I wouldn't say that Zach's ever said disagreed with that though. Like, like I mean, I, no, no, no. Just, just, just shut up and take the goddamn compliment. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> This is the really nice. Thing was uh, just how heavy-handed <laughs> the sports broadcast type, uh, the sports broadcast was, right? So, um, for those of you guys who aren't familiar, the pure tournament, something that they're bringing back. It's very rules-oriented. Um, uh, combatants, you know, it's a single elimination tournament. They meet in the middle of the ring. They do the the code of honor handshake, right, and. Uh, there's no close fist. For a close fist, you get uh, one warning, and then second time you're disqualified. There's only three rope breaks allowed, whether submission or pinfall. After three rope breaks, then your opponent can use ropes for submission or pinfall. Uh, you only get those three. There's a 15-minute time limit for the first round. I think it goes to 20 for the second, 30 for the quarter for the semifinals, and then an hour for the final. And uh, also, you're guaranteed no outside interference because anybody who interferes, runs down to interfere, is fired from the company, which that's not going to happen. So you're basically just told that there's going to be no interference. And they presented this with uh, initial character bios that were like damn near probably five minutes long. So the first match was Jay Lethal and Dalton Castle. And... We watched like these five minute 
promos from each of these guys with clips throughout their career. And by the end of it, I'm rooting for both of these guys. I have no idea what's going to happen. Like, I know that they only got 15 minutes to figure it out. And if it goes to a draw, then there's a team of judges that are going to, like, MMA style, that are going to say who won. And, man, like, I won't spoil it for anybody as far as, like, results or anything. But, like, at the end of these character bios, I wanted both of them to win. And they did go to a commercial break during the match because of the nature of broadcasting. They did have to do that. Uh, they didn't have a whole 15-minute time block because this thing went, like, 13 and a half, 14 minutes, which you know because there's a goddamn timer the entire time mm-hmm. on the screen along with little dashes that tell you how many rope breaks the guys have left. So, like, they're, like, semiotically telling you, like, you can absorb that information without the announcers having to rehash or tell the story of the match. Like, you you visually understand the story of the match, like, immediately. Uh, but anyway, they went to a commercial, and then when they came back, they explained what happened during the commercial and showed you, like, a clip. And they're like, yeah, like, uh, uh, Lethal's still working on Dalton's knee. And they showed what he was doing from, like, previously. It was fucking awesome. It's, uh, and there was two of these things. So I haven't seen it, but I read about it, and I sent you guys this article that I read on Defector.com, which is, for those of you that don't know, Defector.com are the people that got fired from Deadspin. So everybody that's on Deadspin right now are scabs, and everybody that's on Defector.com right now, they're the old Deadspin guys. But I sent this. Is it the guy that wrote that book, The Squared Circle? It is, it is not. He's with The Ringer now, David Shoemaker. Uh, he's uh, he's a really smart guy. Um, but I, I sent this. I was like, do you guys want to talk about this? And, of, of course, both of you guys had already heard of it. And you are like, oh, yeah, I mean, this looks pretty good. And I was like, of course, I'm the last one to fucking know. <laughs> But, but, um, this is, this is what I, like I said, I haven't seen it yet, but this is what raw underground should have been. If raw underground, if they had like an hour of the show that was guys fighting for something called the pure championship or call it whatever the fuck you want. And it was very rules based and it was actual wrestling, you know, actual professional wrestling then i would have been in love with the raw underground instead i mean let's not even taint this conversation with talking about the raw underground but i mean this is really exciting to me like i said i haven't watched it yet but this is this is actually what i've been calling for for a long time like jason alluded to earlier jason what did you think of it when you watched it uh i agree with zach in the sense of the the sports element to it, you know, they did the bios or whatever. Uh, for me, knew Dalton Castle, knew Jay Lethal. So for me, it was a, re- a review. But if you were looking at this for the first time and you didn't know who RH was, didn't know who these guys were, this did a really good job of breaking down how we got from the start to modern times. Yeah, we, we met each other at this match. This person won this time. This person won the other time. And then the match started. So it's a 15-minute match. The commercial break was an elapse of maybe a minute in time. And in that minute, like TBZ said, they reviewed it and showed you the clip. So, I mean, that to me is always one of my biggest arguments against commercial breaks during the match. It feels like I missed something and it takes away from the entire match. Like I said, that match, both times when they did it, it was about a minute that we elapsed and they went back and showed you that. Outside of that, I think the biggest problem with this, and 
you brought up Raw Underground, and that's that. That's sports entertainment. This ain't that. This is, if you like technical Zack Sabre Jr. type shit, this is for you. If you like sports entertainment, don't even waste your time. No, no, no. no. you are going to be bored. I'll, I'll say this. Raw Underground is not sports entertainment. It's the like it's like sports entertainment minus the sports and minus the entertainment. It's just kind <laughs> of like I, I don't even I, I don't even know what it is. It's impossible to describe. It's it's yeah, have you tried to describe that to someone who like was unfamiliar with anything? But it's but not like, like Fight Club. It's like are there rules? Is there anything? Is it just Shane just like is anybody getting drunk? Is anybody enjoying themselves? Like I can't Clearly, tell. It's packed every week. You got that big ass black guy that we still don't know his name. Oh, I'm sure they said his name, but I just don't pay attention anymore. It's Keith you got Lee. Big ass black guy be at security. I mean, come on. <laughs> I think it's Zeus. I think you're right. I really think you're right. Which is there are some people mind. listening that might be too young to know who Zeus is. Um, no, but like I said, I, I didn't have time to watch the ROH thing, but it, it's on television here in St. Louis. I, I can DVR it. Um, I, I did what Zach normally does. And I went to daily motion, uh, right before okay. right around three before we did the pod and I watched it there. It was uh, about 45 minutes long and it was two matches both 15 minutes. Um, obviously, I won't give the spoilers away, but I agree with Two Beer on this one. I, w- I used to watch ROH, and then I stopped watching after a certain point, and then the pandemic hit, and so I stopped watching altogether. I'm, I'm going to have to watch the next week's episode because now this is for me. I like Zack Sabre Jr. type shit. So if you're going to tell me I get this for the next – I don't know, six oh. weeks, I guess. I'm all in for this. I, I mean, this is be you talk thing. about, uh, apparently the pure championship used to be a thing back in 2006. I don't remember right. this. I'm sure there's some of you nerds out there are that marks out there that will reach out and say, how do you not remember this? How do you do a podcast I listen to? My response no, to that I would be, your do your own fucking your podcast. I'll do the podcast around here. But uh, apparently Daniel Bryan had it. Uh, Samoa Joe. AJ Styles, AJ Styles, Nigel McGuinness, guys like that. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to watch it. That sounds pretty much right up my alley. Uh, hey, uh, a very clean way to watch Ring of Honor. This is actually how I watch uh, Ring of Honor. When I was watching it, I, I took a break even before their hiatus. Uh, but they throw them up on Fight TV. So if you have like a Chromecast or whatever, an Apple TV, like or like they probably have an app on Roku or whatever. But, like, they throw them up on Fight TV, like, a day after they air. Story, I forgot um, about that, too. Yeah, that was a that was, the, that was a really good way. I do have Fight TV, and I totally forgot about that. So, yeah, if you do, if you want to do something legit, you can go that route, too. Um, well, I look I'll forward to this. talking about this in the future. And uh, apparently Impact Rules, and I watched it this week, and it was good. So, yeah, so now I have to devote even more time to wrestling. And the G1 starts Saturday. Oh, well, everything gets pushed to the side for the G1. You mean the actual WrestleMania? Everything gets pushed aside (laughs) for the G1. What were you going to say, Jason? Um, I like how, well, two things. I like how ROH doesn't shy away from 
their past. They'll give, you know, credit to Drew Gulak, uh, AJ, Samoa, Joe, so on and so forth. Second thing, I do remember Daniel O'Brien Danielson wrestling Nigel McGuinness for the title. A friend of mine showed me this. He showed me who Daniel Bryanson was before he was uh, Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan or whatever. He was the know, American McGinnis. Dragon, right? Dragon, you know, came out to, uh, shit, I can't think of the fucking song or whatever. Oh, Final Countdown or whatever. So, I mean, I, I do remember those days. And I remember that match where they unified the titles. And that was a great-ass match. So if you get a chance to watch that, that kind of will give you an idea of what this tournament could possibly look like and why I think this is going to be exciting. Because ROH is basically a, is like the baby redhead stepchild of the professional wrestling world. This is a good chance to at least get some eyes on it because they're doing something that nobody else is really doing. Is ROH the redhead stepchild? I think Impact is. I think ROH. Shit, you R- are out your monkey mind. No way. ROH used no to way. be. <laughs> ROH used to be very well respected, though. Like ROH was a. Uh, like look, pe- look how many channels Impact has been on, and it's still around. If anything, it's the cockroach of professional wrestling. You can't kill it. Is that better? Is being the cockroach of professional wrestling better than being the redhead set child? That's going to do it for our two counts. <laughs> One, two, three. I do want to say that I hope Jay Lethal wins because I met him at an ROH show one time and he gave me an inward pass. Jesus Christ. That is not a true story. Uh, Jason Bell used to give me the pass for the n-word but i never used it because i'm a better person than you zach so <laughs> i still have i still have mine <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> the three counts going to be i got it i still have it it's valid the three count is going to be uh the nxt takeover do over which we do from you know most of the time around here unless there's too much shit going on uh where we go back in time we started at the beginning of the pandemic. We go back in time and we watch one takeover per week, starting from the beginning. And we are getting into some really good ones. We have gotten to some good ones. I can't remember which one we've said is the best one, but we we definitely, I think we had a consensus. But this week we have NXT TakeOver Orlando in April of 2017, the night before WrestleMania main event was a rematch between Bobby Roode and Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, But you know what? Let's start with the beginning and we give our star ratings. You guys can pause it right here. If you haven't watched the NXT in a while, go back and watch it. But we give our star ratings. The first one, first match, the curtain jerker was Sanity. Alexander Wolf, Killian Dane, Eric Young, and Nikki Cross versus the baby faces who were at this time Ty Dillinger, Roddy Strong, uh, Ruby Riot, and Cassius Ono, a.k.a. Chris Hero. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this, both of you, but let's start with Jason. Uh, To answer the first question, I think we said, and somebody will correct me, I'm sure, if if I'm wrong, I think we said NXT Dallas was uh, the top of the hill at this point, but I could easily go back and check, and I'm sure somebody will call us out on that. Now, for the match itself, um, I gave it two and a quarter stars. I mean, it just felt like we threw this nonsense together. 
Cassius Ono is is a nice, you know, surprise. But I mean, it didn't really add anything to the story. It was, you know, an, a nice smarky indie pick, which popped the crowd. But outside of that, this was basically Sandy just running amok, and which they should at this point. They they are the the legit stable, if you will. All the other people have, you know, beefs against them, but not enough to where it should overtake Sandy. Plus, the, like I said, the match itself just really wasn't that good. It wasn't interesting, especially as a curtain jerk rule. Kind of a sad way to start two and a quarter. Zach, what do you got? Yeah, I gave it two and a half. Um, it was like Nakamura in the main event, eight-man tag to open. Like, are we watching New Japan? Like, what's, <laughs> what's going on here? Definitely was not your typical – you know, scenario for takeover. Yeah, I gave it two and a quarter also. I mean, everybody worked hard, which I appreciate, but it's not very takeover-like to have a thrown-together match like that. Like, usually at takeover, you'll have a team that's put together with another against another team, working a program with another team or something, which we'll get to later. But uh, I gave it two and a quarter also. Next up, we had Aleister Black's debut in NXT I think is what they said maybe it was his NXT takeover debut but certainly it was a uh, two guys that were inextricably linked even to right now due to Aleister Black being married to Zelina Vega we had Aleister Black versus Andrade seeing Almas I gave it two and a half stars what do you got Zach I gave it three stars. Like, this was, like, totally fine. Uh, obviously, a showcase for Aleister Black. And he he was a total, like, awesome dude in, in NXT, right? That entrance, uh, the mystique, those tattoos. Um, Good-looking dude, you know, like, as far as, like, you know, lady-like appeal. Like, Take it easy. Like, you know, same thing, same thing with... I mean, you know, oh, look I at say those it about the women. I those gotta, eyes, I gotta, I gotta, those gotta, eyes you could swim I in. It, I gotta say it about the men the same way I say it about the women. Otherwise, I'm a sexist son of a bitch, right? Like, no I mean, equal opportunity harasser over here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> same guy, same guy that wants to say the n word. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I still got, I still got. The <laughs> it's valid. Um, Leave him alone. <laughs> it doesn't expire, right? Um, but. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, Actually, I think it expired in like 1943. But, um, <laughs> Give or take. <laughs> the um, uh, the match itself like w- was totally fine, and it did kind of uh, make me pine a little bit for like the glory days of like both of these guys. And I think that they could have a lot ahead of them, but I don't see a lot going on with uh, Paul Heyman not being on Raw for Aleister Black. And I think with Dominic Mysterio, I think uh, Vince totally has like his New Mexican now. Like he's done with Almas, right? Like and Garza and all those guys. Like uh, I feel like he's just like all in on Dominic, um, which is like shitty to say, and it's not like a cool thing. But I just feel like that's accurate. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, we're my fine match. We're gonna talk about Dominic off, a, off a little Dominic. bit in the odds and ends. No, it's fine. It's fine. We're gonna talk about a little bit in the odds and ends. Uh, Jason, what you got for it? I agree with uh, two beer on this one. I gave it three stars. Um, obviously, Marks. like you said, it was a a uh, performance for Aleister Black to shine, but I think you got to have a good dance partner to do it. And I think this is one of the, let's say one of the first times um, Roddy Strong on 
NXT TakeOver San Antonio. That was a good match. So now we've got back-to-back really good matches for uh, Andrade. So I think this is kind of more, I guess, the start of consistency with Andrade, where he, I think he's starting at least, you know, feeling more comfortable. And I guess behind the scenes, Triple H might be giving him more to work with. But slowly but surely, he's starting to kind of move up the card a little bit. Still early, but you can see signs of what is going that to be down the line versus a Johnny Gargano, if that makes sense. So, like I said, this case, I give it three stars. Sure. Uh, next up, now, now we're getting into it, boys. We're getting into uh, <laughs> we're getting into stuff that uh, is right in my wheelhouse, so to speak. Not saying it's not in your guys' wheelhouse. Nah, this this you, match baby. this match happens to be on the TV right now. I started NXT Takeover again while when the podcast started, just to have it on the background. Right now, I'm watching DIY versus the Revival versus the Authors of Pain. The crowd is going nuts. They just put Occam through a table. Uh, the Revival and DIY are getting ready to kind of trade off finishing moves with the other guys. So Ciampa and Dash do the uh, the Shatter... What's it called? Shatter Magic? Shatter Machine. Ma- Shatter Machine. Shatter Machine. But there's a Magic Killer Shatter Machine. Yes. Okay. Um, I gave this 4.75 stars, guys. I... Loved this match. You guys know how I feel about triple threat matches. Because <laughs> it adds a little bit more drama, adds a little bit more storytelling. You guys know how I feel. I gave it 4.75 stars. Jason, I'm curious to hear what you gave it. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was another wrinkle in this match. It was an elimination match as well. It was. On top of it. Mm-hmm. Um yep. I gave it three and three quarter stars. Don't, don't get me Holy wrong. Shit. This was a good ass match. I did not think it was that over the top. I like the match, but I mean, let's just be real for He's 30 seconds. Up. Who was getting ready to win this match? Okay. Even upon retrospect, if I watched it the first time, you kind of knew how this Joker was going to end. You just couldn't, if you didn't have the two teams deciding, hey, we got to take this team out first, it wasn't going to work. Great spots, great storytelling, but I think you guys are kind of taking this one one step too far. Three and three quarter stars. That's amazing to me. Uh, Zach, I I know we're both both hurt right now. And no, you two are both marks, man. Stop being marks. So what, Zach, what'd you give this? Like 17 stars? Because I, I don't know. Oh, hey, hey, Zach, what'd you give him? Actually, I subtracted 17 stars because he was eliminated <laughs> by his partner being pinned. <laughs> Johnny you... wasn't even eliminated. Johnny didn't do right. anything. Yeah, I was say, fucking Champa. See, this is how it starts. He gets eliminated. In the two, be- threat. two beer, Zach Pullman. What'd you give it? I actually gave it four and three quarter also. Fuck really yes. It. it was uh, it was purely a spot fest, right? And it, like, there's not a ton of, like, psychology like Jason's. Like, I liked uh, the main event of this because there was a lot of psychology. I like this because I could just put on my cardboard framed sunglasses with one lens blue and one lens red 
and like my big tub of popcorn and just throw it at my mouth and just watch it. And it's like 25 extra spots, just wearing my t-shirt. Oh. We heart spot monkeys. I just watch. Know? I'm watching Dash and Gargano. They just give a double super kick. And here comes the, yeah, here comes the shatter machine with Champa and the, the other one. I can't remember his name. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> you know what? It always feels like you guys are teaming up on me a little bit. I like it when me and you can team up on Jason a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm right a lot. I mean, goddamn. No, that's hey, Jason. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this, Jason. I don't say this a lot to you. That's a shit take. That's a shit. (laughs) (laughs) To give to give this match. Oh, and the when revival tries to go after them when they turn their backs and then they all start fighting. Come on, you're going to give this three point seven five stars. That's a shit take, Jason. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Whatever. Uh, just, be- just because somebody agreed with you, you gave yourself a self high five, and then you- all of a sudden you run down the street because somebody agreed with you. Get the fuck out of here. I will run down the street because somebody agreed with me. <laughs> uh, so coming up next, we have Asuka versus Ember Moon for the title. I'll let Zach go first this time. What you got, Zach? Uh, man, I miss Ember Moon. Like... Uh, mm. Big bummer uh, about her injury, and hopefully, you know, she can come back and. She's a talent. You know, maybe the, like a surprise entry in the Royal Rumble or something. You know, that would be cool. I don't know what the hopefully. timeline is, but it was a shoulder injury. But like, it's been a while, right? And I know everything seems like a long time because of this pandemic and stuff. But like, it has been a while for her. But yeah, she's I missed. Miss Ember Moon. Yeah. This, yeah, she's missed, and. Um, this was a really good women's match. Um, a really good professional wrestling match. I say women's match because um, you're like, a sexist. We had, yeah, that's why. But uh, we had like you know the Oscar Bailey matches, which were really good, and uh, you know then like we had like a couple that were just like kind of so so right. There was like a four way thrown in there, and I know this is like Oscar's reign of terror, and she's like looking real strong and stuff, but like. She has a couple really good matches with Ember Moon, and this this match is really good. Uh, I gave it four stars. Jason, what do you got? Uh, I gave it three and a half stars. Um, I like Ember Moon. I think we all can agree that she's been missed, and I'm not sure if she's coming back. I thought I read somewhere that she doesn't feel too confident about ever coming back because it's, it's one surgery after another, but oh, that's, that's a another story for another time. Um Oscar Reign of Terror, I had no problem with it as long as you kept putting up credible opponents in front of her. If she, if you book her to beat said credible opponents, so be it. Ember was one of those credible opponents. It felt like this match was missing something. I couldn't really put my finger on it, but all in all, I still enjoyed the match. Three and a half stars. I, went, I wish Oscar was still undefeated. Yeah, I know. Seriously, once she, she goes up to the main roster, that's just. Yeah, but lo- losing to Charlotte is a waste. Uh, I had I, I went right in between you guys. I had 3.75. They're both great workers. Obviously, Asuka is out of this world. Uh, I had 3.75. I'll go first for this one. We had the Bobby Roode versus Shinsuke Nakamura rematch for the belt. Bobby Roode came in holding it. This was still when everybody was in their honeymoon period with Nakamura. It's I mean, not that Nakamura has dropped off at all, but this is, I gave it four stars. I'll let Zach go next. 
I actually give it four and a half stars. I mean, you got these two guys uh, who have these awesome entrances, which does like add to the match a little bit. I won't say it really affected my rating or anything, but like whenever I'm kind of flying through these like do-overs, you know, I'm not watching like everything like start to finish, partly because I don't have the networks. So, like a lot of it's like stopgap like stuff here and there. Um, but the the this was a main event and these guys both absolutely worked it like a main event it felt like a main event um nakamura was in big match mode right nakamura is one of the best big match wrestlers in the world still is even though he's uh you know tag teaming with another really good wrestler that you know uh vince doesn't care about right two now. most two most underused guys in the company for sure i mean nakamura <laughs> is Nakamura is, like, I mean, he's up there with Kenny Omega. Like, he's up there with AJ Styles. He's up there with uh, Kazuchika Okada, like, Tetsuya Naito. Like, big match superstars, right? This is the guy that when he's on your roster, he can main event every WrestleMania that you have, right? Um, I know he's not there to do that. He's there to kind of collect a check. And he likes living in America with his family. And he likes to go surfing every day. Namaste. Yeah. I mean, like. Live and let live, brother. But I really love this match because it just shows like how both good, how good both these guys were. And you know, maybe I'm being nostalgic about um, these guys, but I didn't watch like Rude and TNA. Like I watched him in NXT, and that's where I was like introduced to him. And he is great, uh, and he's great in a certain way. It's like an old school psychology, and this is just like old school professional wrestling. Man, they work Nakamura's knee, and it was just like wrestled like a main event for a major championship and Nakamura got like, it was like his NXT swan song, right? Like he was mm-hmm. onto the main roster to do awesome things and wrestle AJ Styles at, at WrestleMania and, you know, all these things before we knew that like, that wasn't going to be the case. Right. right? So um, it was, it was good. Four and a half. I, I did used to watch, TNA impact when beer money was together with Bobby Roode and James Storm. I liked Bobby Roode and James Storm a lot. This is about where TakeOver became must-see television for yours truly. Like, I got the network. I watched it. Every time there was a TakeOver, I either watched it while it was happening or I watched it later on when I got home or I watched it the next day as I got high uh, before WrestleMania or whatever. Um, (laughs) This is when I watched it. And when I watched TNA Impact and Bobby Roode and James Storm together, I did not know that Bobby Roode had this type of main event stuff in him. They They were definitely like the cream of the crop when it came to tag teams in TNA, them and Motor City Machine Guns. But, uh, Bobby Roode was a revelation. I still, I gave it four stars. Jason. I'm giving it four stars as well. This Bobby Roode being a main event star to me, wasn't a surprise. I remember the it factor run in uh TNA and I thought he was a really good heel there. So for me, when I found out he was coming to, NXT, that was an instant excitement for me. Now, the fact that he had this nice run in NXT just re, I guess, reconfirmed what I always thought that he has that, for lack of a better term, it factor. He could be at the top of the food chain, and if you present him correctly, 
he can have good matches. This was just another good match. Um, like the, the psychology of the match, like two beers in, I think is the most important thing because it wasn't a spot fest. It, you already knew what was kind of happening coming into it. This was just about this particular match in itself and how he worked limbs and finally broke Nakamura down to get a clean win, which you don't necessarily see from heels. And I think that's always a big deal. Heels could cheat and they're supposed to cheat. But every now and then, you got to throw them a bone and give them a, a credible win, a clean win, more so than credible, a clean win against a credible opponent. In this case, that's what happened. But we all kind of knew that Nakamura was going off to uh, bigger pastures anyway. So, so be it. Anyway, four stars for the, uh, the main event. Okay, so we just went through Orlando NXT and Jason... I think correctly said that NXT Dallas had been our favorite. This is number 14. Dallas was number nine. Just to remind you, Dallas was American Alpha beating the Revival. It was Aries beating Corbin. It was Shinsuke Nakamura beating Sami Zayn. It was Asuka beating Bailey, and it was Finn Balor defeating Samoa Joe in the main event. I think that's where we're at as the best one is Dallas. That feels right. Doesn't it? Yeah, Dallas. Dallas, yeah. still, that was better. I mean, that. we could. I, I I write down all the star ratings. I could go back and look, but that feels like that was the best one. Because to me, the Nakamura Sammy Nakamura Zane match was in the middle of the of the card was so freaking good, and that you just didn't expect it because there was really nothing involved. There wasn't well, a title and, and revival versus American Alpha as the curtain was really jerker. good too as a curtain jerker. So I mean, to me, from top to bottom. Dallas still feels like it's the creme de la creme. At okay, the and and this is what we set out to do when we started doing the d takeover do-overs is that we were trying to crown what the best takeover was. So the one that we just figured, the one that we just did was 14. Dallas was number nine. So we're still trying to find one to beat Dallas. I don't think that we're going to have a problem finding one to beat Dallas, but right now Dallas is the one on top. Agreed? Agreed. Yep. All right, cool. Yep. Uh, let's get to those odds and ends. This is banned from ringside. Okay, the thing that I want to talk about is that every time I think I'm sick of this Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio feud, <laughs> and I don't know if it's a soft bigotry of low expectations, but Dominic Mysterio can work, man. Did you watch this, Jason? I did watch it, um... I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I can't say that I'm not. I mean, I really, I expected Seth to win, so they got that part right. Right. But leading up to this, there was a moment where I'm like, damn, Dominic might actually win this match, and he looked good doing it. I keep waiting for him to, you know, miss this moment or miss this spot because he's just so young and he's not supposed to be here. He hasn't done it and yet. He's just, and he's not. And that, to me, is the credit that I have to give words to. I'm not necessarily a fan of how fast he got there because I think there's other guys that could be doing the same of thing. Course. But that's neither here nor of there. Course. But I, I got to give the man the credit. Where, the man. I got to give that little man, the little man this credit because, I mean, he's I'm, doing shit he ain't got no business doing right now. Of, no course, of course there's guys that have paid their dues more than Dominic Mysterio. But at least he's not just coasting his way through it. 
Like no, he's they, taking he bumps. Seth Rollins are he's working matches. He's working matches. I would love to hear Seth Rollins do a shoot interview about Dominic Mysterio on Truth Serum. Like not with the WWE. You know, he's right. just you know, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. They put Street Profits over clean against Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. Street Profits are they're getting protected. What do you think about that, Zach? Uh, well, I haven't watched Raw in three months. Uh, that's my Zach impression. <laughs> it's actually not true because I did have some time. Uh, uh -oh. Not this week. Not this week. I, it was not in my face uh, this week. But um, last week I watched Raw, like the Hulu version at least. And uh, But yeah, like it does surprise me because so many uh, acts, you know, come up from NXT and they don't really do anything with them. And I mean, they seem to be treating the Street Profits about as good as they treat any uh, tag team, you know. Seriously. A lot better than some. Especially so, as I mean, as champs, because usually when there's a non-title when there's a non-title match, the champions lose on Raw and SmackDown. Like that's just a thing yeah. that that must be like a Michael P.S. Hayes thing or a Vince thing or something. Like if they have the belts, make them lose in a non-title match, which doesn't make any sense. But Street Profits went over clean over Cesaro and Nakamura. I can only Man. imagine they're going to have a rematch clash of champions a pay-per-view that if it never existed i would probably never even think about it again um let me ask you guys this we've been doing this podcast for what three years I 73 episodes P plus three years so plus three years have we said the word retribution on this show yet we said it last week Okay. Who do you guys think Retribution is, or do you care? Because I don't care. Uh, I'll go first. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to say I don't care just because you said it, but they, I'll go this far. They've given me re no reason to care. Um, the promos mean uh, – the promos are like uh, Bray Wyatt before or after winning the title before he became the Fiend. They sound real good, but they don't really mean anything. Uh, the guys that they're attacking up to this week when they jumped uh, Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre, I mean, that they that wasn't really impressing me per se. I mean, it'd be different if it was like six or seven of the same people. But now it's like, it was like this week, it was like 12 of them. Or, you know, it's just, it's inconsistent. And you're not booking it to a point to where it's giving me a reason to care after three hours of watching Raw. Zach, do you even know what Retribution is? <laughs> I oh. do because, uh, you know, they were kind enough to uh, let us know as as such uh, anarchists they are that on social media <laughs> that they were going to invade before they even came. So, like, I knew what they were before they even showed up. But uh, very obviously what we haven't talked about is what they are, which is Vince McMahon's warped view of what like Antifa is. Like, <laughs> I wow. mean, you're, you're probably right, but I mean, yeah, he's 78 only years of, like, old. Only instead of like anti-fascism, they're anti-ratings because nobody gives a shit. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> 
I love that shit. Um, let me ask you something in kayfabe style. Kayfabe style. Well, why doesn't Sheamus? Why isn't he upset about Cesaro hanging out with Nakamura and having the tag team titles? I mean, because they were the bar. You know what I mean? You know they what? They were a really good tag team. Very they successful. Were, they tag were team. a great tag team. They were great together. The bar was great. I'll say it. Okay. Uh, all right. But I mean, if we if we kick it a kayfabe style. Kayfabe style. Let's be real for thirty seconds. Are we? Do you want to continue this great partnership you had with Cesaro or chase after the title? Or hey, the title? Yeah, do you do you, do you want to be in a team where like? Tag teams obviously don't mean anything, kayfabe style and real style. Okay. Like, okay. So, uh, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you guys for having two triple threat matches on Clash of Champions? It looks like we're gonna get Jeff Hardy versus AJ versus Sami Zayn, who's back and who's doing better than ever. And it also looks like we might get Drew McIntyre versus Ray- Randy Orton versus Keith Lee. What do you think about that, Jason? Yeah, you have me on the first one. The first one makes sense. It's UFC. But is there is there too much drama that can happen in a triple threat match? Is that too much no, for no, you? No, 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 no. <laughs> Fuck you. Can't handle it? Yeah, Can't right, handle all the drama? Yeah, I say, trust me, my whole last month has been nothing but drama. I heard. I'll say this. <laughs> Keith Lee doesn't need to be in the second match get, keep him out of it I just don't think they have a plan for him yet so they keep putting him in spots where it keeps him on the radar but just let Drew and Randy you know fight their health quote unquote to have their match and be done with it the Intercontinental Triple Threat actually makes sense and oh, yeah. Sammy said it, but spelt it out on SmackDown on Friday night perfectly. I was the champ You're in nerd. March. I defended it in April at um, WrestleMania against Daniel Bryan, and I took personal time off. That's legit. That's all I ever asked from these jokers. Just make it make sense. Not only did it make sense, it was real. That was a straight-up shoot. I came back, and you anointed this Joker as the champion. Now, if you want to be Raw Underground and all this other bullshit, apply that same logic here. He's hitting up. the former champion, the uncrowned champion, or I'm sorry, the undefeated champion at this point, versus the interim champion. UFC will have these two guys wrestle and be done with it. AJ doesn't even necessarily have really a point in this. The last, Well, I take that back. Jeff cheated, so that's why he has a beat. But that's what I said earlier back to, you know, disillusioned heel logic. So he thinks he's in it. So overall, it makes sense. Keith Lee has nothing to do with this because they don't have a plan for Keith Lee. Shocker, I know. That's why he's seemingly hanging what? around. Keith. Yeah, I know. What? Come on. Where's the? What's the plan for Keith Lee? I don't know. He'll uh, probably you know they ain't got no plan for join, join the hurt business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I say, we get into we get to a point where that, that might be one too many. They ain't a business anymore. That'd be a corporation shit. 
you just present him as generically as possible for three weeks, and when he doesn't get over you, for you send him to main event. That's and that's plan. gonna do for our oh. odds and ends. No, I love I love making Zach the last word because uh, he's always just got these one-liners, these snappy one-liners. Hey, everybody! We don't have a whole lot of birthdays this week. Greg the Hammer Valentine. All right, call me. I think he's still alive. I think he's still alive. All right, he's 70. Arn Anderson. This is the old man edition. Greg the Hammer. Va- oh, wait. Let's start with the young gal. Renee Young is 35. Greg the Hammer Valentine is 70. Arn Anderson is 62. Gerald Briscoe is 74. And Jim Cornette. Do you know how old Jim Cornette is? Uh, My age plus 16, 63. <laughs> 59. What the fuck? I know. Hey, everybody. We know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. For FB Eatery, for Vice, for Murray the Murray Man Murray, for Lucha Chris. Check, check. For Two Beers, Zach Pullman. For Jason Cornelius Bell. I am Bill Vey. Everybody, go out and vote. Black Lives Matter. Support your local weed dealer. Double check. And boo the heels. Boo. Boo.